las diferencias culturales y cómo eso puede afectar nuestras decisiones en our personal finances. That's coming up. ¿Estás cansada de estar batallando con ese dinero cada mes? Bienvenida a Su Dinero Importa Podcast. A Spanish podcast. Mom, it's not all Spanish. Okay, okay. A more Spanglish podcast. That's better. Where each week we have down-to-earth money conversations from people in la comunidad latina that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. ¿Lista? Hagámoslo pues. Hola, ¿qué tal? Estoy muy, pero muy contenta de tenerte aquí conmigo. Te habla Jen Hempel, tu host, y hoy vamos a hablar acerca de algo que es muy común en nuestra comunidad al casarnos. Y eso es las diferencias culturales y cómo afectan nuestras decisiones financieras. Hoy se va a hablar más inglés y el Spanish Barometer es como... Más o menos el 5%, quizás el 10% en español. Entonces se va a hablar mucho en inglés. En today's episode, ¿ves? Hablando de inglés. You are going to learn the significance learning about each other's money story and differences in cultures had on their marriage and how they handled family matters. You're also going to learn three tips to help you navigate finances with your spouse, along with Elle's best piece of wisdom to inspire you as a Latina on your own journey. Let me share with you a little bit about Elle. Elle Martinez is the founder and host of Couple Money. She also has a book, she is an author, called Jumpstart Your Marriage and Your Money, which is designed as a four-week guide to help couples build wealth together. And she is also the host of the Couple Money podcast. ¿Lista? Vamos a conocer a Elle. Bienvenida, El Martinez, a uh, Su Dinero Importa. I am so happy to have you here. And I know we're not going to speak Spanish. That's okay. But um, I'm just excited to talk to you today, El. I'm always excited to talk to you, Jen. Yeah, I, I wish my Spanish was up to par. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe today we can make it happen. Ooh, right? yes. We can speak. Podemos hablar un poco en español. Bit. We can try. And then... <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, for those of you listening, I have known Elle for a few years now. She's a fantastic woman. She's oh. done so much in the personal finance space. I can't wait for you to get to know her. So let's do that right now. And let's just dive in on your money story and how you grew up around money. I, I, It's always funny because you're not aware of like what your money story is until you bump into someone who has like a completely different take. Uh, but for me, I grew up um, with my grandmother when uh, we lived in New York. She was my primary like caretaker. And I have to say like she is a huge influence, both my grandmothers from both sides, but uh, my mom's mom in particular, my abuela was everything to me. And there's so much I learned from her that at that time, I didn't think maybe was that different, but she came from Puerto Rico and uh, she had seven kids. She moved to the United States. She had seven kids. This woman was a saver. Jen, she was a, a scrapper. Like 
she's going to figure out a way to do things. And, you know, I grew up with that mindset. And I remember going on walks with her and any and every like penny was a treasure. I mean, we just have fun growing up with that. And so like I felt very close to her. She was my best friend. And eventually, because of, you know, job situations, my parents moved and they went from New York to Georgia. And it wasn't too far from Atlanta. It's, I'm not sure if you ever heard Lithonia, Georgia. Yep. Do you know I lived in Athens, Georgia? What? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So there you go. Small world. So that was, I think, the first time I felt like things were a little different in terms of like how I grew up my family, my parents spoke Spanish, you know, here and there with us a little bit. But when we moved to Georgia, there was absolutely like no one else at that time. I felt like I was the only one at school. Um, And it kind of gradually left what language, you know, what little you know. But again, that idea of like becoming a saver stuck with me. And fast forward years down the line, I've noticed like in our family, money was something overall that just wasn't discussed. And so I kind of had this mindset of I, I don't talk about money because, you know, there wasn't a lot of it growing up going around or if we had it, we, we spent it because we didn't know how long it was going to last. And uh, I got engaged to a really sweet, incredible, kind, awesome guy that was the complete opposite of everything I grew up with, personality, you know, outlook, outtake. But one of the things we said was, you know what, why don't we talk about our financial situation? And we met in college, a mutual friend introduced us. And Jen, I thought this was going to be the easiest conversation because we're both broke college kids, right? I mean, what what could we disagree on with money? It was like we had expensive tastes or anything. But we realized, you know, talking with friends, they kept saying, talk about money. This is going to be affecting your marriage or whatever. Long story short, I had like 30, almost $30,000 of debt. And he had only one semester's worth of student loan debt that he was going to pay off as soon as that grace period's over, you know, when you graduate. And we realized like it was smack like, uh, we are completely approaching money differently. And to me, that was a huge wake up call. Like, wait a minute, this, this is going to be tough trying to figure out. Right. And so you had that uh, discussion and he just had a little bit of debt. And I I completely relate because when my, it's funny, we've lived in Georgia. We met our husbands in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had that money talk and it was just the opposite. <laughs> he had a student loan uh, and I didn't, I was fortunate. My parents helped and I had some scholarships and stuff like that. Uh, so I came out of college and graduate school without any student loans. So we had that uh, conversation, but there was a lot of guilt and a lot of, it was that student loan brought so much heaviness on his part. I didn't feel that heaviness. I just sensed, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, you know, we need to try to get rid mm-hmm. of this as fast as possible, uh, which we didn't, but that's not the story for today. But it just definitely brought a lot of heaviness and guilt that he felt just he would, him bringing this to the marriage was not a good thing. Like, and for me, it was just like, we'll just deal with it, right? 
Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad I heard your side of the story. I think that was my husband's years later. We talked about this, like um, his initial reaction. But yeah, there was a lot of guilt. I actually had went my first two years of school debt free. Like I got paid to go to college, but uh, I had taken some time off because mm-hmm. my grandmother had gotten sick. She had gotten cancer, and it mm. was very at that time. Oh. We were in Virginia and she was there too. So we reconnected as well. And it was very important for me to be there for her. And so I don't regret taking a break from school. But when I got back, before she passed away, she's like, I need you to finish this degree. Mm. I need you to do this. So I I went back and I was in such a a rush that I didn't look for the scholarships or the financial aid. I kind of just took what they offered. And, you know, the first thing they offer is never, like, the best option for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, I yeah, I ended up, that's how I got my debt. Mm. Well, for the student loans was those last, ironically, two years. But I don't regret that. But that was something that also was one of those differences. Like, from my husband and I, when we talk about money, like, how we spend it, how we get into debt, it revealed, like, mm-hmm. our priorities or our values. And that was something that... I do not advise getting into, you know, student loan debt if you can avoid it. Uh, But at the same time, I don't like regret taking a break and then going back to college, if that makes sense. Right, right. And it's interesting how parallel, like I'm going to bring, again, we lived in Georgia. (laughs) As far as our spouses, one of us brought the student that you took a break from school to uh, help with your grandmother uh, going through cancer. My husband took a break from school because of his mom uh, going through cancer. Like a lot of parallels here. It's Mm -hmm. it's very, very interesting. Now, in this abuela that you were referring to is the one that you were really close to, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she honestly was my best friend. Like I grew up not Mm. speaking Spanish for most of my life. But, you know, with with your grandmother, you make the exception. You know, my bad Spanish. I learned Spanish mm-hmm. in high school <laughs> and she was a sweet lady, but she had a very thick Southern accent. I mean, it was like, hola, como estas? <laughs> and so I would practice and my mom would be like, oh my goodness, please stop. <laughs> so this is the grandmother that you're really close to had a heavy... No, 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 that no. Was like, the other uh, one. That, that, my bad Spanish. I was willing oh, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> to be embarrassed with my bad Spanish. I would write to her in Spanish. I would, you know, Aww. call her and everything. And yeah, she that had was... uh, cancer and they didn't know until, you know, age mm. four. But see, that like that was very important to me. And looking at my family, mm-hmm. that wasn't unusual um, in our family, mm-hmm. even though we didn't have much, you know, a lot of us are in the healthcare field, like nurses aides or nurses uh, working as teachers so forth might not be the greatest pay but whatever we had if family needed it they needed it and honestly sometimes it wasn't the best financial decision you know we know um, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the mantra of like put your air mask on yourself before helping others but that wasn't mm-hmm. what I grew up mm-hmm. with that made sense yeah right 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 yeah, especially with mm-hmm. Latino uh, families is the taking care. It's not that other families don't take care of each other, but the 
to the the extent that is done is a little different, right? Mm -hmm. And I know, and being that with your husband, he's not Latino, how has that translated? Because now we're at a a time in our lives, our parents are getting older. So what, you know, have you seen differences in terms of like, when you've had those discussions about your parents, his family? Have you seen the differences in terms of like, how you view, you should take care of family versus how he views? Yeah, it was, it was little things, you know, like when you notice the details and everything and you bring up a good point, this isn't like a lack of love on one family or, you know, one side, but they see things differently. So like right now, um, my mom, single mom, she had raised us. So when she comes over for visits or whatever, I, I pay for my mom's dinner, you know, like little things like that, like take care of my mom. She's covered with that. And then my husband's side of the family, they're very they're different. They feel as, and I understand where they're coming from. As adults, they take care of themselves. And if anything, like they like to treat us, you know, when we come to visit, I remember when we were first married and everything, if we'd go out with his parents for dinner, a lot of times they would cover. And to me, that felt like so awkward. (laughs) Like I, I didn't get it. Mm. But to him, it was normal and vice versa. He, he didn't understand and he, he loves my mom and that's not a, a problem of, you know, treating. It was just like, this is a different mindset. And then seeing as that is just a day to day thing, I knew that I probably shouldn't make an assumption about how he feels about taking care of parents when they're older. And so we started that conversation like, hey, down the mm-hmm. line, like, do your parents have a plan? Like, what's the plan going on? Um, and I, I just was flat out. I was like, because I'm expecting, you know, if it comes down to what to do with my mom, she gets older. I'm talking about like my mom's getting older, but she's not old. Mm-hmm. Just in case she's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> she's not. Old. But she is, you know, getting close to retirement down the line. What would we do? Would it be assistant living or, you know, housing? And for me, to me, my, the natural thing is, well, she'll live with us. And when we were looking for a home, in my mind, I'm looking for a home that has a living space that's semi-separate, that Mm -hmm. my mom could have some independence, but then we could be there for her at that time. And um, we had to discuss that. And my husband is on board with that. But that wasn't Mm -hmm. something I could just assume he'd be okay with. And then we had to decide, well, what does that look like? You know? Because if you don't talk about it, we are like really good, uh, everyone, at filling in the gaps of what we think we know or how it will go and play out. But once he had a clear idea of that, then that changed like the house we have now has living space, all the essential living space upstairs for us. But uh, downstairs, it's a full basement. And so eventually, it is slowly going to be converted Mm -hmm. over into an apartment. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking 20 years you know, uh-huh. but we'll we'll see. But that that's kind of right now the game plan. But that wasn't something I I could have. I wouldn't even have like thought that there was any other way. If that made sense, like before we had this conversation, it was just so natural. Like right, my grandmother lived with us. You know, towards the end, I mean, she was very independent. My mom is very independent. This would be an option of I can't live by myself. We drive each other crazy. We joke about that, but mm. you know, how do you? How do you talk that over with your spouse? For me, I didn't, 
I didn't right. want to put that on him. I didn't also want to wait for it to be a health issue and a crisis. And then we're making a decision then because that's usually a recipe for extra stress that you just don't need to right. deal with. Right. No. And that's good that you had that discussion like because like you said, you just can't assume because the moment you assume and you have and then mm-hmm. um, fast forward to the time that you have to make the decisions that could really put yourself in a bind in a stressful situation and an argument when you don't need to be arguing or being stressed, right? Because you're needing to make the best financial decision possible mm-hmm. or the best decision possible at that moment for whatever it is that you're dealing with. So that's great that you talked. And, and, I, and I love that you bring that up because what your podcast, Couple Money, is is really geared towards couples and, and talking money and, and really managing mm-hmm. finances together. So what other tips would you, based on your experience, or, and not necessarily just to the Latino, because money, you know, when we when it comes to advice, uh, and, and suggestions and tips, mm-hmm. all those tips translate to all <laughs> the cultures, right? That doesn't change. But what kind of, what are your top yes. maybe three tips that you would give to anyone that's married, a couple in terms of their finances uh, to make their marriage uh, a lot easier? Yeah. So, you know, on the podcast, I've interviewed so many different couples. And like you said, this goes cross-cultural, but especially when you have two different cultures coming together um, in a marriage and a family, those expectations that you have are probably going to be different than what your spouse has. And so the the advice I give to all couples is first sit down and establish what are your big goals together? Like what's your why? What would you like to accomplish? And then really talk this out. Um, you don't have to have all the answers, but sometimes we kind of go into this, okay, well, we're married. Obviously, we're going to save up to buy a house or we're going to save up to have kids and then, you know, maybe save for retirement. Like there's this checklist that sometimes we just go down instead of saying, okay, for us in our particular situation, what does that look like? You know, maybe buying a house is not really what you guys want to do. Maybe you guys want to have a transition time where you're traveling more or especially when it comes with kids, like what does that look like? What assumptions do you have? Is Are one of you going to stay at home, work from home with the kids? Is this going to be a situation maybe you guys try to both have some flexibility with your schedule? Sometimes we think, oh, well, our parents did it this way or our family did it this way and it worked out really well. And so I want to jump in there and you don't exactly articulate that to your spouse, you know, and that's Mm. where Mm -hmm. you will have these discussions that will open up your eyes. For example, another situation that we're talking about right now is like I mentioned, my, my mom is moving towards retirement. One thing we're thinking about is just like my grandmother had taken care of me when I was younger. You know, my mom was working, my grandmother would be home there my mom would like to help out with maybe being child caregiver. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. What does that look like? What is the assumption? Mm-hmm. The funny thing is mm-hmm. like in, in my mm-hmm. family, like she would not ask for money that, you know, a couple days a week she wants to help out. That's fine. And my husband's like, well, 
you know, that's still an obligation and time. We should have something set aside. How do you do that? So like we're negotiating, we're talking about that. Things that maybe I thought, well, you know, why are we even discussing this? Needs to be discussed. It's better that you over talk it in a sense than under. So yeah, really define mm-hmm. those key goals or, or dreams you have and make sure you guys are on the same page with how it looks. Right. And it's interesting you bring it up because I it, go, it takes me back with my abuela and, and I was close. So I said, I see a lot of parallels in our life. Uh, we were super close. And growing up when, because both my parents worked the nine to five, she she helped out in, in taking care of us. And I, yeah. I doubt there is, I mean, that's a good question. I doubt there is any monetary compensation or whatnot. It was just a given family, you help out. And then later on, when we moved to the States, and then uh, she's like, I'm not going to the States, I'm staying here. <laughs> I'm staying in Colombia. <laughs> uh, and yeah. uh, so it was a matter of like, where is she going to live? Right. So where does she live? Which uh, mm-hmm. my parents had the, a home in, in Colombia. So she stayed there. So the, the assumption wasn't what was, wasn't that, okay, she needs to pay rent. It was just like, okay, here we're providing the house, the, the home for her to live yeah. in. But, it, but that was just understood and, and because of the culture. Right. But when, but even yeah. though now, even if it was two people from the same culture or, I think that conversation needs to be had mm-hmm. because things are changing. Society is changing. And we, it definitely needs that conversation because it could be, especially if it, two Latinos that are married here in the mm-hmm. U.S. that were brought up in the U.S. just because they're Latinos doesn't mean they're going to both think it's a given that you're going to take care of yeah. your par- or bring in your parents to live with you. So you do definitely have to have those conversations. Yeah, and, and it's also... You know, I, I definitely do not speak for all Latin families, but like in our family, we don't talk about these things so much, so much of the, the money culture, there is assumptions and we just follow through kind of like an invisible script. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like learning a new skill. It really is. You know, we haven't had these conversations. So it's like a, a muscle that you hadn't used. And at first it was kind of awkward for me, to be honest, to bring this up. And to talk about this, but mm-hmm. things have gotten easier. And then also we have to face, especially now the economic situation is so different. So, you know, as my husband pointed out, he's like, for one thing, mm-hmm. healthcare costs for her during retirement could be crazy. So she might not have the flexibility that my grandmother had, you know, savings, even though she's saved up for retirement, you know, there's mm-hmm. so many different mm-hmm. unknown factors and everything. So it really helps to, and this would be my second tip is have these regular discussions. You know, our mutual friend, uh, Robert Whitney, he's crazy, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) he has really good advice. He never wants to have the money talk with his wife. He wants to have chats. He wants to have discussions. You know, when you put it off into this big V talk, it's very stressful. But if you make talking about money, even if it's like 15 minutes a week, like, hey, what went well? By the way, don't forget Mm -hmm. in two weeks we have this trip. So let's come back on eating out. So we have some extra spending cash. Like making it a normal part of the conversation can relieve a lot of stress in relationships because then you guys know like our money is being used towards what's important to us. Or if we have something that's coming up, we can kind of prepare ahead of time. So that that is absolutely for me a, a crucial tip for all couples. And then the last one, 
whether or not you have a formal budget, I, I highly recommend that couples sit down, look at their bills, all the essential stuff, and start automating their money towards their big goals. Like take care of the bills. Make sure you have something set aside for the future or, you know, you're paying down debt, whatever you agree to together, automate as much as you can because we're our own worst enemies. And if you are parents, if you are also taking care of other relatives, you got so much going on. It is very easy to forget to save for yourself, Mm -hmm. for your future. Take care because life will always happen. So if you can automate it, it's a protection and you're more likely to reach your goal. It was a huge help for us. We got two little ones. And I know, you know, like we're in the space day to day talking to people about personal finance, but at the same time, there's so much going on. I know I would be nowhere near our goals if we hadn't already automated the money towards them, you know? Absolutely. Because we automatically... Uh, when it comes to our money, we, yes, we may have those financial mm-hmm. goals, but we know we're going to pay our bills. Like that's mm-hmm. like a given. And we know we're going to get our groceries and get something to eat. That's a given. And, but we don't, we have to just shift our, our, what we think or how we think about our goals in terms of, yes, we want to achieve them, but we have to pay them first too. like treat those mm-hmm. like a bill. And if you automate it, 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 I agree, it just makes life a whole lot easier. Because once you automate it, you're not missing it, especially if you have that yeah. clarity, if, especially if you did your homework and took a look at mm-hmm. your expenses and make sure that those automations fit within what you have, then it's going to work and you're not going to miss it. Yeah. And Again, having those check-ins, you know, I call them money dates. Yes. Because I want an excuse to get out the house or do something with my <laughs> husband. You know, um, those are great for catching because most people, your, your budget's not going to look right the first time. Um, and then also with life, and I think this is a big mistake uh, with a lot of budgets, is it's very, it's rigid. Like they make the budget and they kind of forget it, but that's not how real life is. Like I'd say uh, 85% of your budget Month to month is the same, right? Your mortgage or your rent, your groceries, so forth. But then there's the parties, there's the trips, there's school stuff. So like every month seems like it's its own little special um, special event or bills or expenses. So having some kind of check-in, at least monthly, you can adjust for it. And so if you have to mm-hmm. cut back with the, the automation or maybe like pause it or whatever, you can do that. And it gives you that flexibility as as a couple to make sure your money's moving the way right. it should. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious, back to your abuela. What would you say was the biggest lesson that she taught you because you're very close to her? Yes. Whether financial or not. She I will tell you something that that amazes me and a new appreciation. So you can imagine raising seven kids, there was like no spare money, right? And then she had a a, a small little pension income. She was always the one that had the money. Like if someone needed (laughs) help, they knew Abuela had it. (laughs) And she was always very generous because she knew that the living simply wasn't just a matter of necessity. Because when, you know, we we started, you know, getting older, taking care of her treats and everything. But she understood like the, the joys in life, like she defined what was important to her life, where she got her happiness from, mm. her, you know, her faith, her family, being outside. She was definitely an, a gardener, green thumb. 
that didn't cost a lot of money, but what money she had, you know, she directed it like she walked the walk done, you know, um, defined mm, what it. mattered to her. And part of the saving that money was because she wanted to take care of her loved ones. Like that was a priority for her. And I wish like I understood that sooner. I think my, my life would be so mm-hmm. much easier. We wouldn't have to bathe so much debt. But I mean, we're at that place now. I, f- I feel better. But it does kind of come back to that. She knew what she valued. She knew what was important to her mm. versus what pe- other mm-hmm. people were saying. You know, like um, when she's taking care of the family, it wasn't about the best shoes. It was, you know, making sure her kids are fed, clothed, getting a good education, so forth those things she focused on and kind of cutting out that noise. That's, that takes a fortitude, you know, we, we, and we, I think we get it worse now where it has to be certain shoes Mm. or certain schools or, you know, certain cars we drive or homes or neighborhoods. And you have to take a step back and you kind of have to have that fortitude to say, no, this is what's important to me. This is why it's important to me. And I'm going to do my best to stick right. with it. Absolutely. Because nowadays we just have so many options and it's great to have options, mm-hmm. but yeah. that overload of options, I mean, you go to the grocery store, just want to buy bread and oh my gosh, there's like 10 million types of loaves of bread. And you're thinking, I have no clue what to choose. It used to just be like one or two options, right? And now it's like, I know I'm exaggerating 10 million, but (laughs) it feels like. No, no, no. There's like a ton. There's there's so many options. But then I I think also, and this is a little bit of cultural, but I think also social economic, when you grow up with that scarcity Mm -hmm. mindset, there's almost this knee-jerk reaction to like prove that you've Mm -hmm. made it. Mm -hmm you know, within the family. And this this isn't malicious or, you know, this is not an arms race, but it's like this invisible pressure of we came from little mm-hmm. and we're going to give our kids the best. Right. You know, um, and then it's like, well, I get this for my kid. I get this for my kid. And th- there's no like competition with the family necessarily, but you feel that pressure. Right. And I think you have to really, again, whether you're single, married, whatever, like define those priorities for you, understand why they're important to you. Like Even if you have to like say it out loud or put a picture of what you're working towards, some kind of um, way to strengthen yourself and just realize like my money is simply a tool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it can be a very helpful tool, but that's all it is. It's not the focus of my life. This is the focus of my life. I'm just using my money to get closer towards that goal. That's beautiful. Now, being a Latina woman mm-hmm. and living in the U.S., what would you say would be what I know you've given some fantastic tips and uh, some just some wisdom, definitely for sure. So as a Latina woman, what would you say to another Latina woman around like your best piece of advice or, or wisdom? And it could be from what you've already said that uh, will help her. I think like a lot of things we say kind of are all connected. And I think Mm -hmm. not an overgeneralization, but I think a lot of Latina women undervalue themselves. And Mm -hmm. I'm not just talking about in the Mm -hmm. workplace with negotiations, with the pay raises, but even their contributions to the family, they overwork themselves. They don't, they don't see their value. And I think one of the best things you could do to take care of your loved ones 
is to take care of yourself. And that includes, it does include finances. Mm. I know sometimes that kind of feels like it's dirty to say that. It's not a materialistic thing. It's, it's saying I can put myself in a better financial position to help others by first getting this foundation, you know, and avoid the unnecessary debt. Simplify your life and uh, focus on what's important to you. It could be for, for work that you negotiate. Yes, pay raises also could be that you negotiate to have more flexibility with your schedule. Again, it's defining what matters to you and and see your value. Mm-hmm. So you can go and negotiate for uh, better situations at work. Or if you feel like you're not having good options right now because of your workplace or um, your financial situation, start taking the steps to educate yourself to, you know, get that foundation, have a financial cushion. That is Absolutely. Even if you are in a job you love, there's no guarantee that it's going to be there. Having that financial cushion also gives you that mental freedom. You know, like when you have, you see that money stashed away, not that that's your source of security. You just know that if worse comes to worse, if I'm asked to take time away from my family or, you know, what's important to me, I can tell my boss, no, I'm not going to do this. And I have a financial cushion to stay with that decision. So, I mean, I, I think that it does come down to like what you value and then also valuing yourself. Love it. That's powerful. Oh, that this has been absolutely fantastic. I've enjoyed chatting with you today as usual, and you've provided so, so much wisdom and guidance. I loved it. So I appreciate you and I appreciate the, the work that you're doing. Uh, so thanks so much for being with us. Oh, thanks, Jen. I always have fun with you. It's always fun. <laughs> ¿Qué pensaste? Ahora sí te hablo más en español. Espero que te gustó. Elle es súper buena gente. Para conocerla más, puedes ir a su website que es couplemoney.com y eso lo puedes encontrar en los show notes de hoy que son muy breves. Ahí puedes en jenhempel.com sdi7 ahí puedes encontrar las notas de hoy. Bueno, pero quiero saber de ti. Cuéntame, ¿qué diferencias has visto entre tú y tu pareja? ¿Cómo has manejado esas diferencias? Yo sé que en mi situación, pues eso empieza con la situación de mis padres, porque mis padres son de diferentes culturas. Mi mamá es la colombiana y mi papá es el americano, o como le decían por mucho tiempo, el gringo, ¿no? Y yo sí observé muchas diferencias culturales. Mi mamá, pues siendo, yo no sé si es parte de ser uno latino o también que en Colombia el, el esfuerzo de trabajar o el, la educación es algo que es supremamente importante. No que en otros países no es, pero no sé, o, o quizás es algo en mi familia, pero la educación, eso se empuja, pero bastante. Que hay que ser bien educado para poder ganar dinero, para estar bien, ¿ya? Y en al lado de mi papá, sí, la educación sí fue algo que era importante, pero era más como más laid back en un sentido, ¿no? Entonces, eh, eso fue la parte de educación que es relacionada al dinero en ganar más. Y también la preocupación del dinero era más al lado de mi madre. Y yeah, mi padre era más tranquilo. Y creo que eso fue parte de, de ser americano en el sentido que en... 
los Estados Unidos uno piensa o por mucho tiempo no sé qué están pensando ahora con la situación de este país que el, este país ha sido por mucho tiempo el país donde uno puede cumplir sus sueños the land of opportunity no entonces esas fueron las diferencias culturales en el sentido mi papá era como más laid back más tranquilo más como confident que todo va a salir bien mi mamá era más no hay que educarse hay que tener mucha educación todo eso y con mi esposo que es americano también era yo he visto lo mismo no que es todo tranquilo todo va a salir bien <ríe> y, y uno es más flexible en el sentido de no se puede gastar en esto y en otras cosas y encargo yo no quería gastar en muchas cosas me daba miedo gastar el dinero porque no quería estar sin dinero no entonces no sé eso es mi observación tú me cuentas si has visto lo mismo si estás casada con una persona que es de Estados Unidos o de otro de otra cultura Quiero saber, o sea, qué diferencias han tenido. Quizás como él es la diferencia en el, el pensar cómo, cómo se va a cuidar a los padres, ¿no? Porque eso es algo que es para los latinos la familia y es bien, bien importante, ¿no? Entonces tú me cuentas cuáles son las diferencias con tu pareja. ¿Cómo has manejado esas diferencias? O si no estás casada, pero tienes un novio, ya ves las diferencias, han hablado de esas cosas. Cuéntame, yo quiero saber más. Entonces, ahí llegamos. Pero sí con tu pareja, ya has hablado, ya las diferencias. Y todavía estás buscando una manera de simplificar tu vida financiera. Tienes que agarrar una copia de mi Daily Money Ritual que es gratis. Y está diseñado para simplificar el manejo de tu dinero y ayudarte a pensar mejor de él. Y lo puedes agarrar en jenhemphill.com forward slash SDI. Next week vamos a hablar de nuevo del presupuesto y qué puedes hacer when you don't stick to it. ¿Qué puedes hacer cuando empiezas a trabajar en el presupuesto, lo usas por un tiempito y después ya, ya dejaste de usarlo? La próxima semana vamos a hablar de eso y qué puedes hacer cuando eso pasa. Bueno, eso es todo por hoy. Yo quiero agradecer a Elle por estar con nosotras hoy. Y para encontrar más de Elle, puedes ir a jenhemphill.com forward slash SDI7, que es el episodio 7 de este podcast. Ahí puedes encontrar su página web, todo eso. Y también, si te gustó este episodio, si te gusta este podcast, si te gusta Su Dinero Importa Podcast, por favor, yo te agradezco mucho si lo puedes compartir con tu familia, con tus amigas, con tus colegas, con alguien que acabas de conocer. Porque a veces uno no sabe, la gente no te cuenta los problemas financieros de uno, ¿no? Eso es algo que no hablamos de eso. Y un, uno nunca sabe cuándo este episodio o este podcast le va a ayudar a esa persona. Entonces te agradezco si lo puedes compartir y ayudarme a pasar la voz, como dicen en Perú. Bueno, gracias por compartir tu tiempo conmigo y nos hablaremos el próximo viernes. Chao.